a good day to you. You're listening to Jenny Knipp for Author. You may be relaxing with a cup of tea or coffee, traveling, crafting, working, or exercising. Whatever the case may be, I'm so glad you chose to spend your time with me. Silver Moon. It's the third in a series um, by the light of the moon. Um, It's a four-part series actually. So Ruby Moon is the first book, Blue Moon is the second book, Silver Moon is the third book, and I'm still hoping yet to publish the fourth book, Harvest Moon, this winter. But in Silver Moon, um, it can be read as a standalone book, but it does make, you know, add a deeper depth, so to speak, um, to some of the background story if you connect it with um, the previous books, but it certainly, you know, makes sense all on its own as well. So it's a it's a World War One story set during that time, um, <clears throat> kind of from the perspective of Canada because uh, my characters <laughs> live in Ontario, so when I first started writing the book, I, I hadn't even thought about, you know, that the war would have to be written from from that perspective and those characters' involvements as Canadians. So it, it was a challenge for sure, but um, one that I actually really enjoyed. I love learning about history and and I hope I did a good job presenting it um, from that perspective. I, I did plenty of research and I hope that's paid off. Um, but I really want to also give you an entertaining story too, but really the the gist of the book is to just leave my readers with the hope that um, there is hope in the time that is dark. You know, even in my own life, I've, I know that, I've experienced that, and so that's the kind of story I want to tell and leave with people. But today I want to read a little bit about Louis. Um, his name is spelled L-U-I-S, and it's rather French, so it should probably be pronounced Louis, but um, I pronounce it Louis, so. Mm. Sorry, just taking a little drink there. So, Louis's perspective, he's the main character. I speak through him in first person and third person. Silver Moon has quite a, a bevy of characters, but I... They all contribute to uh, the plot and and the war and the hope that, you know, people will come home and um, those ladies at home will get their um, loved ones back and and vice versa. So in this segment, um, Lewis has been, I could sort of say coerced into being a spy. for the Canadians in England, but so he <laughs> he in this segment he's he's t- stepping into the role so to speak, and he's going undercover, and um, and let me read you a little bit about that. So February 1915, England. Lewis had made it through the rough days at the secret training site. 
He stood on English soil now where he was to be issued a German officer's uniform, a new identity, and a mission. He'd waited on a sunny bench in the chilly hall of an old estate near Margrave. The British government had taken over Warrington Estates to be used as headquarters for tactical and special operations. A thick door opened. It was hammered with bronze studs, giving it a medieval feel. A man dressed in the British military's fatigue green appeared, a thick file folder in hand. Lewis had been told to address him as General Daly. The red band surrounding his cap and the colorful patches pertaining to his standing above his left breast pocket stood out amidst the green. His brass buttons shone and his leather belt and holster gleamed smoothly. The general appeared rather like his grandpapa Wilson to Lewis, thin and tailored to a T. Lewis stood at attention. General Daly eyed Lewis speculatively. At ease, Lieutenant. It is Lieutenant Wilson, correct? Lewis imagined he had passed whatever silent inspection General Daly had submitted him to. Yes, General. Well, I assume you know who I am, one bushy eyebrow cocked up. Yes, sir. The general looked to his right and left and focused on Lewis front and center. Come in, take a seat. General Daly stepped aside and let Lewis precede him into the office. When they were seated, the general laid out Lewis's mission. We'll ship you out tomorrow from the North Sea, where you'll be let down in a lifeboat several miles from the Netherlands. There, a fishing trolley will pick you up. The trolley will be disguised as a German vessel. The general looked Lewis full in the face without moving and rolled out the information to him like rolling out a carpet. He took a breath and continued. A uniform will be stored aboard for you to change into, along with forged identification papers and a wallet of Reichmarks. They'll deposit you in Emden, and from there you'll make your way to Hamburg, where our German contact and your handler, Marcus, will be waiting to transfer you to Cologne. After that, you will go to Metz as an officer under the command of General Major Wolfgang Ostermann. General Daly cleared his throat, took a sip of water from a glass upon his desk, and continued. Your official title will be Oberstlieutenant Gunther von Wolf. Any questions so far? Lewis's head spun. He doubted, not for the first time, his decision to sign up for this, but it seemed he just couldn't say no. He found himself in ever-increasing depths of commission. I don't think so, sir. Lewis tried to look composed and strong, but he felt anything but. Remember your training? You must commit all this to memory. You must not write anything down. The general tapped the papers in his hand on his desk. Now, let's see, where were we? He thumbed through a few pages. Oh, yes. Lewis thought of something. Sir, how do I receive news? Whom whom am I to relay information to? We're getting to that, Lieutenant. The general scanned down the top page again and looked at him. You'll receive mission information at a bakery in Metz, Germany, called. He looked down once more and checked his facts. Dos Pumpernickel. Go in every Tuesday. Make sure you speak with a man called Hans. Ask for a pretzel. Bretzel in German, of course. Hans will write any new directives on a script of paper and bake it inside the pretzel. Once you've read the missive, destroy it immediately. The general paused. Understood? Yes, Metz, mm, das Pumpernickel, today, Tuesday, Hans, mm, Bretzel, Lewis repeated the gist of the directive back to General Daly. 
There will be two ways for you to get information out. A woman in Givet, France, at a dairy called Sean House, and a dead drop in Sedan at a public house. At the dairy, you'll visit Gretchen. She's a French spy and will get the thread of verbal information you give her into the appropriate hands. Pretend a liaison with her for cover or whatever you have to do, but in an emergency, in an emergency, you can contact your handler. He will tell you how and when you can meet him. The general paused, and Louis took a deep breath. They met each other's eyes. Louis had an inkling the general showed some understanding of how overwhelmed he felt. General Daly's brown eyes softened and a slight curve of a smile twitched at his thin lips, making his tailored mustache tremor. All this will become second nature in no time. Don't worry, the general said before continuing with his instructions. Now, in Sedan, the public house you're to visit is called La Noire Cheval, the Black Horse. There you'll leave information written in code. You'll find a loose brick on the wall of the outhouse near the bottom by the stool. Go there, order a drink, drink it, and then use the outhouse before you go. Repeat it back to me. The journal waited, a steady look in his eyes and a tension about his smoothly shaved jaws. Go to Gavette. Get to know Gretchen, who works at the creamery. There, I relay verbal information only. Lewis took a breath and tried to remember what the general had said about Sedan. In Sedan, I'm to find the public house. Lewis left off because he couldn't recall the name. So many details milled around in his head. The black horse. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Order a drink. Use the outhouse. I'll find a loose brick near the floor. Good. Good. General Daly handed Lewis one sheet of paper. To ensure you remember, study this tonight. It also has a map on it. You'll see Givet and Sedan are close to the French border. When you're satisfied you have committed everything to memory, burn it. The general pinned Lewis with his gaze again. This is a dangerous business. Trust no one, Lieutenant Wilson. Yes, General. Lewis gulped down, gulped down some foreboding thoughts. General Daly stood and showed Lewis out. Good luck and Godspeed, Lieutenant Wilson. The general saluted and Lewis reflected his stance. Thank you, sir. Lewis nodded and turned about face. He walked away with a paper of directives gripped tightly in his hand, but then he panicked. He turned around and asked, Sir, what if I get into trouble? What I mean is to say, what if I'm suspected or found out? I gather you've been taught to use whatever force necessary to protect yourself and the information you hold. The general let the statement hang in the air, but added, even if it means your own demise, if there's no other way, that is, this is war, Lieutenant. We must sacrifice or be sacrificed. Yes, sir, Lewis swallowed and met the general's gaze without wavering. I understand, sir. I'm just gonna take a quick sip here. My throat gets dry when I read. Please pardon my very poor French accent and German accent. I. I know neither language, so I'm doing my best here to give you a sense of what that might sound like. So um, pardon, pardon my mistakes. This next segment is where he's, um, he goes a little farther into his mission. Early March, 1915, Nermetz, Germany. Gut Reise, General Wolfgang Osterman questioned Louis. Did I have a good trip? kind of hairy umbrella, the general's bushy eyebrows puffed over his deep-set eyes. 
His cap hadn't done the job of keeping him dry. A slight rain drizzled steadily down. Faint, slanting rays of the setting sun highlighted the water droplets caught in his hair and made them glimmer. Lewis couldn't help but think General Osterman had an interesting profile. He would like to sculpt it. His nose perched as a rustic mount between the two hills of his cheekbones, which were anchored on either end by his pushy brows and matching mustache. The general's gray eyes, sheltered by Craig-like wrinkles, inspected Lewis, as if to gauge whether he was a satisfactory substitute for Strauss, the German officer Lewis had come to replace. Lewis stood stiff as a post. Yeah, nein arger. No trouble. That's a lie, he laughed. He'd encountered a fair bit of trouble in his travel, but of course he couldn't tell this German officer that. The fishing trolley had almost sunk when they hit a rock near the German coastline. He thought he'd lost his papers, and on the train, he had just about replied in English to a German officer seated next to him. Gut, get some rest. We will report, you will report to me at daybreak, and I will brief you on your role here. We are a reserve force as of yet. Our mission is more strategic, as I am sure you have been made aware. General Osterman relaxed his penetrating gaze. Captain Hager will show you around camp. He paused a few moments, a slight crease appearing in his forehead. It seemed like there was more he wanted to say, but he simply finished with dismissed. Lewis raised his right hand up to his cap, or the general saluted with his crop in hand. Lewis raised his right hand up to his cap in a stiff reflection of the general, his elbow pointing due west. A man scurried out from beneath the general. Oberst Lieutenant von Wolf, follow me. Lewis quickly turned from the general and fell in step with him. My name is Rufus Tiger, but they call me Han. Lewis wondered why they referred to him as a cockerel, but he didn't ask. Time would tell. Hager turned to Lewis. It seems we are both named for animals, eh? Yeah, Lewis allowed himself a snide grin and a slight chuckle. He needed to appear to be friendly, yet still in command. You might want to beware. A wolf can make a meal of a rooster. Of course, Lieutenant, Rufus nodded. A smile stretched across his narrow face. He did have the look of a rather scrawny rooster. He even strutted a bit in his stride. I can see I will have to be very careful. He held a certain glint in his eye, as if ready for a challenge. Your quarters. Rufus held back the flap of a green army tent and waved Lewis in. Lewis entered and took in the stark accommodations. Home away from home, he uttered. The tent was occupied by a cot covered in a wool blanket and a crate, upended and topped with an enamel pitcher to serve as a washstand. A towel and a cake of soap were tucked inside the bowl's rim. Probably better than most of my countrymen are getting about now. Where is your home, sir, if you don't mind my asking? Rufus the rooster scratched the ground with the toe of his boots, with the toe of one of his boots, while he waited for Lewis to reply. Lewis tried to gather his wits. He drew a blank for a moment. What's my background story again? He thought quickly. Dusseldorf, my father is a brewmeister there. Lewis had been told to stick with partial truths, so he would be less likely to forget them. His story would be more believable that way, too. His adopted father did peddle alcohol, but it was wine, not beer. Thinking of family made Lewis think of Oshki. He'd probably wondering where I am, if only he knew. 
Lewis tucked away his private thoughts and turned to Rufus, the rooster. The captain saluted and turned to go. Dinner is served at six. Yeah, six are, Lewis reiterated and dismissed Rufus with a slight salute. When he'd gone, Lewis sat on the edge of the cot and took a deep breath. He had made it this far in the charade. No one suspected he was not who he claimed to be. He removed his cap and took off his sage gray wool jacket. His fingers ran down the rust-colored piping at the placket. How strange to be dressed in an enemy's uniform. He set it aside and laid back on his cot. He went over everything, all the bits of his journey, and what he needed to remember about his contacts. He would go on his first visit to the bakery in town tomorrow. Other than keeping his eyes and ears open for obvious news, he wondered what else there might be for him to do. <laughs> so that's just the beginning of Lewis's journey as a spy. And he, he ends up um, going through quite a bit. Um, let's take a little drink here again. And I really hope that I paint an intriguing story <laughs> of him and what he does, what he encounters, and um, he comes across a couple of ladies who kind of steal his heart a little. So there's some little, a little bit of romance involved in there too. But I also wanted to take just a few minutes and kind of describe what my <laughs> journey um, as an author trying to sell her book is like. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. Number one, to be to be truthful. Um, if I had, I probably wouldn't have even started. So maybe it's a good thing I didn't know. I, I am no salesman to begin with. Um, but for those of you who are listening, who are writing, who are independent authors, um, I just want to give you a few tips that I've heard of and I know that are working for me. Um, some of these things are new to me that I'm trying now with my third book, and I wish I'd have known about them with my first book. Um, so, um, number one is, um, you know, when I first started, I was trying to establish what they call a platform. So I'm a website, you know, a presence on social media and, and of the three, um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Instagram has been my favorite, um, by far. I think I've just been able to connect more with people who, who love to read, and which I like because I love to read. So especially in the historical fiction genre, um, connecting with more people there and also in the Christian fiction historical genre. So that's been really great. So connecting as writers too, I've been able to connect with a lot of other writers and that's um, given me a lot of tips and helpful information. And, you know, I hope vice versa, hopefully I've encouraged to help someone else along the way as well. The one thing I don't like about Instagram is that every day I have to block men. So I don't know, people can't read or something. So on my profile, it clearly states that I'm married, you know, so I am not interested in any man. And every day I, I end up blocking men. So my, my rule is that if they have a private account, I block them. If they only have pictures of themselves or with puppies or kittens or little hearts and roses or flowers or in a doctor's uniform or a military uniform, they get blocked because eventually a day or two later, I'll get some creepy message about 
you know, whatever. So <laughs> I've just, you know, taken the initiative to block those kind of people. And it's really sad, you know. I do connect with 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 males who are actually writers, have an account and, you know, have a business or whatever, um, and and not are just interested in browsing social media to be a pariah. So <clears throat> Anyway, there's that <laughs> bit of information about Instagram from my perspective. Um, some of the things I am doing this this round with my third book um, is book tours, and I really wish I'd had known about that with Ruby Moon. So, um, for those of you listening who are writers and um, maybe you're unaware of these particular book tour companies, um, the first two are particularly related to. Uh, more of the Christian fiction genre. So that would be Just Reads, J-U-S-T Reads, and Celebrate Lit um, are two that I am hooked up with now. And if you're interested, if you're a book blogger or a viewer, you can go to their websites on and um, or even my blog. I have links on my blog now um, that I posted yesterday for their tours. <clears throat> also, um, more across the board is Silver Dagger Tours. Um, I'm signed up with that one for um, this summer. And, and I still have to sign up with this one, but Espresso Tours, like like coffee, you know, Espresso. So um, that one I've learned about recently and I'm looking forward to connecting with. Um, the other thing I've done is I've uh, made a book life account. So you can upload your... Um, information about your books um, to Book Life. Just Google it and it'll come up. It's through Publishers Weekly and um, it's free to put your information on there. Of course, there are things they want you to buy, you know, and uh, reviews and such. Um, but the good thing about it is, is that you can also post, you know, like an advertisement with them through Publishers Weekly and that's a pretty, you know, well uh, read publication um, so that can get your book out there in front of a lot of people and I found that to be helpful. You can also pay for a review with them. It was quite pricey. I haven't done that yet so far. I've reviewed with um, um, Reader's Favorite Company. That's gone really well and it's pretty economical and, and also um, self-publishing um, self-publishing yeah so <clears throat> excuse me those two uh, have gone well there's um, indie reader and there's um, you know m many more you can go go with um, but those are the few that I've chosen um, some other things for social media that you can do are kind of a book book launch blasts like um, these are the companies that I've used, um, Digital Book Girl and Book Butler, and those seem to have worked pretty well. Um, and also with the book tours, I'm hoping to do Instagram blasts for that as well. So the more you can get your book out image in front of people and get your book into the hands of readers and reviewers, the more people will know about it and, and um, you know, probably the more books you sell. Hopefully, that's that's the goal in mind. But um, for right now, my goal is just get my hand, my book, into the hands of hands of readers. So I'm hoping for reviews this time. It's really been extremely difficult to get reviews, even from 
people that know me or know of me um, are very hesitant to leave reviews so that's been a little bit challenging um, so it's you know on Amazon your book doesn't sell without reviews and that's just pretty much a fact so it's it's been very difficult um, it's probably one of the most challenging things about other than you know selling the book directly it's it's been very challenging to get reviews even even through Goodreads giveaway I've done with both of my first books and I've only gleaned a few reviews from that and I gave away a hundred copies of books so that's actually been a little disappointing um, even though it's something I want to still continue to do it is still getting my book image in front of people um, so I'm hoping that at some point that will turn around and pay off a little bit or you know like me maybe they have downloaded a free ebook you know from Amazon or wherever and it just sits in their Kindle reader for a while so I have some in there that have been sitting in there for six months so I just haven't gotten to them because I have a stack of 15 books to read you know it's, it's just you know I can't read them all at once so I totally understand that aspect as well but um, I'm just so excited to um, really get this this book Silver Moon into the hands of readers I Oh gosh, I think it's the best written of the four and I think that is um, a little bit more gender, gender neutral because of, you know, the action and the war aspect, but there's also a very homey aspect of, you know, um, the home fires and what they're doing to, you know, further the war effort there and to help in any way they can, but also there are issues that they have to battle, you know sickness and death and you know accusations and it's just suspicions and so there are things that have to be battled at home too so i think it's a a good balanced picture of what life may have been like in wartime for world war one and i really i really do hope that you get the chance to read it um if you're listening now you can buy the kindle for 2.99 only um it's it's really a good deal and the paperback will be on sale for like 12.90 something um and also my other books i have on sale for kindle right now for only 3.99 so i'm hoping to get some more readers <laughs> for that but also i wanted to make you aware that you can get ruby moon free by visiting my website at jennyknipfer.com um, there on the homepage toward the bottom I have a box that says my gift to you and it's got an image of Ruby Moon on the front and I would really like to um, give that to you if you haven't started my series please please take advantage of that and I really hope that, that you'll love it <laughs> so um, thanks for being with me today and and thank you so much for listening I um, you know doing podcasts has been a bit of a challenge for me but um, I really enjoyed it the more I've done it. So um, <laughs> thanks for listening. I, I appreciate you. my books, and my writing journey, please visit my website at jennyknipfer.com. All of my social media links are on my site if you wish to connect with me further. 
please message in with questions and comments. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. This is Jenny, signing off at Jenny Kniff for Author Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope something I've said has resonated with you and encouraged or blessed you on your particular path. Remember, despite your circumstances, you can choose to make it a beautiful day. Thank you.